This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we worship you today, we ask that you would just take up residence in our heart, that you would remain there forever. Pray this in your name. Amen. Question for you, if you had an elephant in your living room, do you think you'd notice? See, what may be shocking to to some is that sometimes families have an elephant in their living room and they never say a word. What I'm talking about is maybe sometimes in some families, maybe someone's really sick or hurting really bad, or maybe they have an addiction and it's really obvious, but no one says anything. They ignore it. Today, as we continue our study of the book of James, a study that we're calling Faith Works, we're going to see what appears to be an elephant in the room. What I'm talking about is this, a guy named Paul, a follower of Jesus, a guy who wrote 13, maybe 14 books in the New Testament. This is what that Paul teaches. He says, For it's by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Paul says real clear, right? It's by grace through faith, not by works, that you're saved. Paul goes on, talking to another congregation, reiterates that. He says, know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Okay, again, really clear. Grace through faith, not works. Then today, as we're studying the book of James, we run a guy named James follower of Jesus, and as Pastor Ben mentioned last week, half-brother of Jesus, and this is what he says. He says, you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Appears to be an elephant, a contradiction in Scripture, so should we be like the family that doesn't talk about it and just go on? Now let, let's spend some time with it. The key here is context. Context is really important. For example, when my children were like 10 years old and I, and I would say to them, why don't you get dressed so we can go to the store? Well, how do they dress? 
context gives that direction. As they get dressed and we can go to the store and it's January and 10 below, they're going to put on a winter coat. If, however, I say, put on your clothes and get dressed and we can go to the store and it's August and it's 85 and it's hot and humid outside, they're not going to be putting on a winter coat. Context is important. When Paul says we're saved by grace through faith, He's talking to new Christian churches, and he's talking about salvation, and he's talking against legalism. See, in these new congregations, some people from the outside were infiltrating and saying, hey, you've got to do some things. You've got to follow some of the, the works, uh, the laws of the Old Testament if you're really going to be a believer, if you're really going to be saved. And Paul goes, mm, no. We're saved by grace through faith alone in the perfect life, innocent death, powerful resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's already accomplished. It's already taken care of. For James, the context is completely different. He's talking to a congregation that ought to be mature in their faith, who have caught on to that term grace, undeserved love, and they've made it a license to sin. They were practicing, and the theological term is antinomianism, which means without the law. So what they were saying is, since we have grace, it doesn't matter what we do. We can do anything we want. If it feels good, do it. We have a license to sin. So to summarize, Paul is addressing legalism, and James is addressing the thought, the concept, the idea of having a license to sin. Paul is communicating, you don't earn your salvation. And James is communicating, you don't have a license to go off and do whatever you want to do and just disregard God and his word. So think about it for a minute. If we think or say or believe that we can earn our salvation, understand what you're saying to the almighty, all-powerful, all-loving God. What you're saying to that all-powerful God, all-loving God is, you know, boy, you sent Jesus. He, he lived a, a perfect life. He had this innocent death. He suffered in our place. He had this powerful resurrection, but all powerful God, that's actually not enough to save me. I've got to help you. You're not powerful enough. You're not loving enough to save me. I've got to help you out. In other words, I'm my savior. I got to earn it. If you think you can earn your salvation, understand what you're really saying to Jesus. When Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, and when he said it is finished, what he meant was the work of salvation is complete. The sins of the whole world are paid for. So if you think you can earn your salvation, what you're saying to Jesus, who said on the cross, it is finished, you're saying to Jesus, actually, Jesus, you're a liar. At the same time, if we think that since we're saved, we're not called to a life of obedience, 
that we can simply disregard God and his word and understand what we're doing is really, we're just rubbing Jesus' face in the mud and in the dirt, and we're telling him, you're not worth following. Both legalism and the license to sin are wrong. They're incorrect, and we need to understand that because as human beings, what we do, we often live our lives like a pendulum. Sometimes we're doing the legalism thing, and then we get to the truth, and then sometimes we go over to the other side and we do the license to sin thing. You, you know this, right? We, we see someone out in the world maybe even a Christian, whatever it might be, and we're just appalled at what they said and what they did, what they stand for, and, you know, it's just, oh, it's horrible, as if our heart is always pure. And at other times, we go, I I know I shouldn't do this, but I want to. I know I shouldn't. I know God speaks against that, we want to, and he's going to forgive me anyway. And we swing back and forth. Sometimes we're accusing people. Sometimes we're excusing ourselves. We go from self-righteousness on one side legalism, to selfishness and license to sin on the other side. The church father Tertullian said this, just as Christ was crucified between two thieves, so the gospel is crucified between these two thieves of license on the one hand and legalism on the other. Again, what Paul is talking about when he says you're saved by grace through faith, is the accomplished work of Jesus Christ. And James is simply talking about what faith looks like. And so today, as we're in James, that's what we're going to study then, and we're going to look at this question, how does faith work? James chapter 2, verse 14 says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? See what James does there? He's not talking about people who have faith. He's talking to people who claim to have faith. It's a false confession. It's an empty profession of faith. And James gives us an example of what that might look like. He says, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food, One of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs. What good is it? That's an example, again, of a false compassion. Ran across this story this week doing some studying. It goes back to the time in our country where there was a lot of frontier, uh, you know, stuff out west and whatever is in the frontier land of our country. And there was a, a community living in this, this big area and a tornado went through and it took out one of the community members' homes and they lost everything. 
And in this frontier community, they had a church and, and the people in that community decided that they would get together at that church and have a prayer for the family that lost everything and, and pray that God would be with them and help them and encourage them through this, this prayer service. And so all these people throughout this whole area are just flocking to the church. This one family shows up, uh, the wife and mom, the kids, but no husband, no father. And one of the, the church members, a, a self-righteous, pious church member, sees this, this woman come in with her children but without her husband. And, and she says to her, couldn't your husband be here for the family? This is an important prayer time. Couldn't he have made time to be here? To which the wife, the mother, responded back, no, my, my husband couldn't be here, but he sent his prayers in the wagon. And in the wagon in which she came to that prayer meeting were blankets and tons of food. See, the point is, is not how much we say that we care, but how much we actually meet the needs of people. See, James isn't pitting faith against works. He's simply saying that faith reveals itself in works. James gives us a couple of other examples, too. We're just going to look at one more. This is the example of Abraham from the Old Testament in Genesis. And it says this, Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did? when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. Do you remember that story? To me, that's one of the most shocking stories in all of Scripture. God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, all nations are going to be blessed through you. That was code for the Savior is going to be one of your descendants. See, picture Abraham, I wonder which, which child this is going to be through. Where's the Savior going to come? He goes to this child and that child and, and that child and thinks, man, which one? Except that's, that's not what happened. Because when God promised Abraham that all nations would be blessed through him, Abraham was 75 years old and he didn't have any children. Okay? Didn't have any. Even though God said all nations are going to be blessed through you. Abraham waited a year, another year, another year, another year, another year, and I'm not going to do another year for all the years because it was 25 years before God blessed Abraham and Sarah with Isaac. The promise fulfilled. And then when Isaac becomes an adolescent, God comes and he tests Abraham. And this is a part that blows me away. God tests Abraham and says, I, I want you to sacrifice your one and only son, Isaac. And Abraham says, okay. Really? Abraham, the Savior is going to come through Isaac and you're going to sacrifice him? Understand that takes away your Savior, Abraham. And finally, if you don't care about yourself, care about me. Because the Savior, for me, is coming through him as well. 
But Abraham says, okay. He takes Isaac up a, a mountaintop, ties him up, pulls out a knife, and he's, he's ready to sacrifice. The angel of the Lord stops him. And in the New Testament book of Hebrews, we learn how and why Abraham could do all of that. And this is what it says. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Follow that? Abraham had received the promise from God that all nations would be blessed through Isaac, that the Savior would come through Isaac. And so Abraham took it as God saying, sacrifice your son. And Abraham in faith said, that'll be okay because since so much is riding on Isaac, since God promised through Isaac the Savior to come, then that God will just raise Isaac back from the dead. That's faith. James, referring again to this account or with Abraham, says, and the, the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. And James clarifies, you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Thing is, when James quotes the Old Testament and says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, that verse happens about 30 years before Isaac is offered as a sacrifice on the altar. See, what that shows us is, is that Abraham believed and that belief led him to obedience. Abraham's obedience didn't make him a believer. His faith led him to be obedient. His faith led him to obedience that verified, that validated, that vindicated the reality of his faith. Faith, as opposed to fake faith or no faith. Picture it, a couple, two and a half weeks or so from now, it's Thanksgiving. It's time to eat on the centerpiece areas of, the, of your table. There's two bowls of fruit. One is a plastic bowl of plastic fruit. And another one is real fruit. Heads up, don't eat the plastic fruit. It's not going to taste good. It's going to have no nutritional value. The real fruit, however, is going to taste good. And it's going to have nutritional value. Fruit is fruit. Faith is faith. 
Jesus living in us looks like generosity that demonstrates faith. One of our core values here at Victory is generosity. And with Jesus living in our hearts, we can, we can be generous. We want to be generous. There, there's going to be a whole lot of ways, a whole lot of examples that I could talk about generosity, but I'm only going to be able to give you a few, so don't think it's just limited to these. Okay. But like when James says, suppose you know someone's hungry and you don't give them anything to eat. Well, generosity says we're going to meet that need. Generosity says, in love, I've been blessed. And so a way to meet that need is like through our food drive that we're coordinating with Country Dale Elementary School with. We're going to meet the needs of others. We're not going to say, well, we care. We can do something about it. Another way that generosity can express itself, demonstrating faith, is in a, in a couple of weeks, we'll have our, the Friends of Jesus toy drive. And we know. And when a little kid gets a, a toy, that's going to bring joy to their heart. And we want to meet that need. And so a way to have our faith in action is to generously buy a toy or more for the Friends of Jesus toy drive. Uh, another way that generosity expresses itself and, and faith at working is you're out at a restaurant and you just buy a meal for someone. Or you leave an extra large tip. Generosity is, is shown not just in the, the giving of money, but of our time and our talents as well. Like spending time with the sick and the lonely, the needy, those in prison. Here's the thing. God has given us all our time, talents, and treasures. They're all different. We're all different. So don't look around at others and try to compare or contrast what's going on in their life. Just receive what God's given you. The gifts that God's given you, the gift that in God's likeness he has given you. And just use that for the benefit of others into glory of God. The bands want to come on up now. So I got a, a little more serious question than I had at the first when I said, the whole elephant in the living room thing. Do, so here's the more serious question. Do you have a plastic faith or faith? The truth is that from time to time, our faith may be pretty plastic. I've heard it said this way. Another question for you. If you were on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Think about that. If you were put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? And let me give you a, a couple of questions that will help you answer that question. If you're thinking about that, is there enough evidence to convict me of being a Christian? Are you, one, are you looking 
to Jesus or are you looking to your good works? When you're trying to answer that question, is there enough evidence to convict me of being a Christian? Are you looking to Jesus or are you thinking about all the times you've blown it? Jesus is the key. Think of it this way. Have you ever hit a pothole? You know, one of the surefire ways to hit a pothole is when you see the pothole and you say to yourself, I'm not going to hit that, right? But you keep looking at it. And you keep looking at it because you say, I'm not going to hit it. But because you're looking at it, what happens most of the time is you actually steer right into the pothole, speaking for a friend. Mm-hmm. Very often, what or who we look like determines the direction, the trajectory of our lives. Okay. So when we're talking about faith, don't look at your faith. Don't make faith the object of your faith. Look at Jesus. Jesus is the object of our faith. When our eyes are on Jesus and not ourselves, we see that Jesus is not only the narrow way to heaven, but he is the way to compassion and kindness and love and obedience. In other words, faith that works. With our eyes on Jesus, we follow him wherever he goes. So don't put your faith in your faith. Put your faith in Jesus. Our faith isn't perfect, but Jesus is. Put your faith in him. Zach Williams has this song. I'll share with you a few of the lyrics here. It says, when I just can't see past myself, Lord, help me be a little more like mercy, a little more like grace, a little more like kindness, goodness, love, and faith, a little more like patience, a little more like peace, a little more like Jesus, a little less like me. How does faith work? By Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, as as we go through life, just being honest, do you know anyway? Sometimes swing way over to the side of legalism. And sometimes we give ourselves a big pass with the license to sin. Sometimes we get confused and we think about ourselves and we make faith the object of our faith instead of you.
Lord God, by your grace and by your mercy, by your Holy Spirit, we want to be like you. Send your Holy Spirit so that we look to and follow Jesus every day in every way. We pray this in his powerful and saving name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.